0: I want to ask you to, uh, if you're in, considering inviting someone, to grab this invitation that's out there on the greeting desk, and you can hand that to somebody, and, but it's going to be a great evening where we celebrate the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and with reading of scripture, singing some cr- traditional Christmas carols, as well as perhaps a visitor that will give us a first-hand account of, of what happened, and we hope to see you there. Before I continue now, though, I remember that I do need to dismiss children for children's church, and that's ages four through first grade, so you can go out this north door, follow Ms. Polly Schwartz out the door. Well, faith is no respecter of age or gender or race. He is an equal opportunity employer, whether it's a young shepherd boy called to fight a giant, or an aged patriarch called at age 75 to leave everything he's known and go to a place where God has called him, or a young teenage girl called to carry the Messiah in her womb. We are in week two of our study in our series through the Gospel of Luke. and If you have your Bibles, you may want to open it up to the Gospel of Luke, and we're in chapter one. But we started this series, and if you remember, if you were here, I left out the first four verses. And so I'd like to start there today. Luke 1, verses one through four. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, Most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty, may may know the certainty of the things that have been taught. The author of this gospel is Luke. And Luke, we know from the scriptures in Colossians 4, 14, was a doctor. He was a medical doctor. Church history from Eusebius teaches us that he was actually a Gentile from the Antioch area, which is now modern-day Syria. He was not an actual eyewitness of Jesus' life, but he was a second-generation believer. The story of Jesus was passed on to him. He's also the author of Acts. As we know, he's writing this letter to a person named Theophilus. He authors the book of Acts as well to that same person. The name means lover of God or loved by God. But we first meet Luke actually in the book of Acts, chapter 16, verse 10, where he actually writes himself into the story. He was one of Paul's closest companions and was with him on his second missionary journey. And he was his companion to the very end, as we see in Second Timothy Verses four, chapter 4, verse 11. But here's the role that Luke plays. You see, it's a time in salvation history where the story of Jesus is still being kind of carried on orally or just in little snippets. Maybe with the exception of the Gospel of Mark. But even if you look at the Gospel of Mark, it's it's kind of a Cliff Notes version of Jesus' life. And he goes, immediately this happened, and immediately that happened. And so he wants to sit down and give an orderly account to both Jewish and Gentile believers so they might know the certainty of the things they have been taught. And he is like an investigative reporter. He goes back to the actual eyewitnesses to find out what happens. He also uses, I believe, Mark as as source material as well. But one perspective that the Gospel of Luke gives, that the other Gospels really don't offer, is that of Jesus' mother Mary. From the very beginning, what happened when she was called to carry the Son of God? The call to give herself, to be a part of a miracle where God would enter into history. He would put on flesh, and she would carry This baby for nine months, it records what she recalls, what she pondered in her heart. And in fact, when we get to chapter three, it's really her genealogy that is listed there. And we get a snippet of Jesus' childhood. But most of all, we get to see her faith, her courage, and her trust in God beyond what she could control, beyond what she could understand. And she would be used to bring salvation to the whole world. And we find that she is quite a remarkable woman. And so we're going to look at her call today. So let me pray for us, and then we'll go ahead and get into her story in this Gospel of Luke. So Lord, you put in your word what we need to know. How you called this young woman to serve you, to carry the Christ child, and really, literally to deliver the Savior to this this world. Give us eyes to see, Lord, what you have done in and through Mary and what you want to do in and through us. So illumine our hearts to your word today and help it hit its target in us. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, if you were here last week, remember it's been 400 years since the people of God had heard have heard from him. The, the prophet Malachi was the last prophet they had heard from. and So God is doing something now after 400 years. He's at work and he engages a couple, an older couple, a priestly couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth. They have been barren for all their life. But now God gives them their own miracle baby. So this is where the story picks up in verse 26. It says, in the sixth month, that's referring to Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, this just seems like information at the outset, but here's what I want to say. God sent the angel. And you see, God is a prime actor in the salvation story. You see, this is no plan of man. This is not something that Mary cooked up, not something that the priest cooked up, not something that there was a a grand plan from the people of God. In fact, what God is doing is so surprising, so contrary to how we would go about it, we're still talking about it today. But God is going to enact, enact a rescue mission by inserting Himself into history. The Creator is going to become part of His creation. And he's going to use human agents to accomplish his purposes, yes. But make no mistake, what needs to happen in this story literally has to be an act of God in order to bring it to fruition. Now, similar to what happened to Zechariah, God sends Gabriel to announce his plans. So at verse 28, it says, The angels went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Clearly, Mary's apprehension here is not at the angel's words. Greetings, you who are highly favored. God is with you. I would think that would be good news. But she's so startled by his angelic being and she is wondering What is going on here? Because angels don't come in neutrality. They're God's messengers, and they're coming either to bless, to warn, or to curse. Mary is not sure. Verse 30, though. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of your father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. I don't know about you, but that's that's pretty exciting news. That's pretty exciting news that God had chosen Mary to carry his son. That he was going to keep his his promise to David to have a descendant on the throne who would reign forever. And both Mary and Joseph are blood relatives of David. That he would reign over Jacob forever. His kingdom would never end. And his name would be Jesus. Or Joshua, or Yahshua, which means Yahweh is salvation. Quite a common name among many of Jewish young young men, but that's what was happening. There was meaning in the name. Yahweh is salvation. This is every Jewish girl's dream. They knew that Messiah was going to come one day. Who would it be? And God has chosen Mary. What a great privilege. What a great honor to be in the front row seat to see what God is going to do. There's only one problem, though. Biology. Verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Literally, since a man... I know not. Now Mary's no MD, okay? But she knows how, you know, human reproduction works. It takes two, a man and a woman, a sperm and an egg. And that's not a current reality in her life. And her question is not a faithless question. It's not one of unbelief. It's not even a sarcastic question. It's a procedural question. How is this going to happen? How is this going to happen? I, I know how these things work. And, her, and the answer she gets is really truly for our benefit. Again, remember, God is the prime actor in the salvation story. It is dependent upon Him. So verse 35 The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, will be called the Son of God. And even Elizabeth is going to have a child in her old age. She who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. You see, Mary, your son really will be virgin-born. Just like Isaiah said in chapter 7, verse 14, Behold, a virgin will conceive. This really will be the Son of God. Not just in title, but in actuality. The seed that's going to be impregnated in you is coming from the Holy Spirit. It's not coming from a man that is infected with Adam's sin nature. He really will be the Holy One. There will be no one like Him. And He will be without sin. And He has been set apart to be the Savior. He really is God who will put on flesh. Fully God and fully man. I had a great privilege to go to one of this last week and talk about that. I thought that Jesus is both fully God and fully man. He really is Emmanuel. God with us. Now I don't know about you, but that blows my mind. It still blows my mind. And there are men who are a lot smarter than me who are pondering this still. Still trying to figure this out. Let alone a teenage girl. But again, God is doing this. This is His plan. And again, as the angel said, nothing will be impossible with God. You know what's interesting? As you read the Bible, God leaves little clues along the way that he really is doing this. He really is at work. And he'll do, he'll do the same thing every once in a while just to remind us. Nothing will be impossible with God. You know where that comes from? Genesis eighteen fourteen, Where an angel comes to a 99-year-old Abraham who's still wondering about his child of promise. And he says, Next year, you, 99-year-old Abraham, who will be 100, and your wife who will be 90, you will have a child, for nothing will be impossible with God. Similar thing: Mary, you're a virgin, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary's response is quite remarkable. Look at verse 38. I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. (laughs) Number two. Faith is the response to who God really is. Faith is the true response to who God really is. Notice two things here. Mary makes herself totally and completely available to be used of God any way he sees fit in bringing forth God's Son. She says, I am the Lord's slave, literally. How many of us will make ourselves available to God without giving conditions, stipulations, or reservations? Number two, she does not ask, what about my reputation? Or what about my engagement to Joseph? Or what about my safety? You know, if this is discovered, I could be stoned. She doesn't ask those questions. She's not asking the what about or what if questions. If God is able to, to impregnate her with His holy seed, He is certainly able to deal with whatever else is coming down the pipeline. And so I ask the question about this for myself, for you, are we willing to say, let it be done unto me as you have said, without needing all the whatabouts or the what-ifs questions answered? You see, It is believing in who God fully is, that nothing is impossible with Him. And we can trust Him, and that He will meet us if He's called us to do something. Again, Mary demonstrates amazing faith and courage for anyone, let alone a young woman who lives in a world really who's dominated by men. And remember, this all comes in the context of this first chapter. Next to Zechariah, a priest, a learned man who knew God's faithfulness, knew God's past track record, and yet he was hung up on childbearing years. As we look in verses 18 through 20, he says, how can this be? For I am old, so is my wife. But I don't want to be too hard on Zechariah because he went through years of disappointment. Years of disappointment. And his response is probably very human. And here's the truth. In a crux moment, we can respond rightly to the challenge that God puts forward to us. But after a little bit of time, after some time to think about what has just happened, maybe we start to question what we just experienced. What we just said yes to. We start to deal with the what-if questions and all the ramifications, and, some, and we need someone to support us. And so Mary needs someone to support her, someone to process this with, and God graciously provides Elizabeth. So let me just read what that encounter looked like, verses 39 through 45. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Now this is the biblical record of of what is recorded. But I can't help but wonder if there's a little more give and take in that interaction. And I wonder if it might have looked a little something like this. Oh.
1: oh Oh, Lord, have mercy. It is hotter than a cat on a hot tin roof out here. Oh Oh now who is that coming for a visit? Oh, I'm not in the mood for company. Oh. Why, it's Mary! What on God's green earth is she doing out here in the hills? And all alone, too. Oh, my oh, baby is a-flippin' and a-floppin' all over the place. What has gotten into this child? Hello, Elizabeth. Mary! Oh, oh, it's so good Mary. to see you. Oh, child, you are a for sore eyes. <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> well? What? Well, tell me about this baby you're carrying. Elizabeth, how did you know? Honey, when I saw you coming up the walk, my own miracle baby took notice. Oh, I heard it to be true, but to actually see you... You certainly are with child, aren't you? Oh, yes. And this this uh, God of ours certainly has odd timing, doesn't he? Wait until I nearly have one leg in the grave to bring me this little surprise. <laughs> oh, you but, look wonderful. Well, I feel fat <laughs> and uh, younger every day, I must admit. <laughs> but enough about me. This baby, you're Karen's no run-of-the-mill baby now, is it? It's Jehovah's. Oh, the Lord be praised. Hallelujah, Elizabeth. Mary. Well, how'd it come about? An angel. You were visited by an angel I know the it's Lord. impossible, Elizabeth, but I speak the truth. Well, tell me, what did he say? You remember? Uh, I will never forget it. Well, go on. Oh, uh, yes, he said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Oh, my. I think I need to sit down. Oh, yes, of course. All right. Now go on. Oh, yes, well. I was so frightened I could, I could hardly breathe. At first I thought I was dreaming, but then when I realized I wasn't dreaming, I thought maybe I was sick and hallucinating, so I felt my forehead and Mary, I wasn't running. So get I back ha- to the angel. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, he said, Do not be afraid, Mary. The Lord is with you. You have found favor with God. You will be with child, and you will give birth to this son. You are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. His kingdom will never end. His kingdom will never end. Oh, my. (laughs) And then I asked, well, how will this be? You question an angel of the Lord? Elizabeth, I'm a virgin. How was I to get pregnant? Well, I guess it's a fair question. Well, did he answer? Yes, yes, he said, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. Even Elizabeth, your relative. He said my name. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Angel of the Lord's said, Mom. Yes, he did. Well, <laughs> well, what do you say? <laughs> he said, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is barren is going to have a child and is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. <laughs> oh, Mary. Do you realize our whole lives have been a preparation for this moment? I will give birth to a son who will tell the whole world about your son, God's son, our Savior and Deliverer. Elizabeth, I don't know what to do. (laughs) Shout his name, child. Praise. Be joyful. He has chosen you to bring his son into the world. Yes, but but why me? Honey, when God pours down a blessing, don't stop to ask why. It doesn't feel like much of a blessing. Joseph and I are not yet married. We're only engaged. How are we going to explain this to people, to our parents? Honey, God brought this child into the world. This is his doing. He will be the one to explain it. Elizabeth, how am I to raise this child? What if I do something wrong or teach him something wrong? How can someone like me raise the son of God? Harry, where is your faith? You have always had faith. You have always had a heart for God. He will lead you every step of the way. You can trust him completely. This is so big. God never gives us more than we can handle. He chose you, and he makes no mistakes. Oh, Elizabeth. <laughs> Woo! Well, I am starving. Say, I uh, make us some food, and uh, you'll feel better after you eat. I always do, anyway. <laughs> oh. oh, Elizabeth. Dear Elizabeth. You're so believing. God, you've chosen me. His child. Your son.
0: Thank you to our actresses. They did a great job. It must have been an incredible encouragement for Mary to be with Elizabeth, to see, yeah, yeah, that miracle baby in Elizabeth is actually there. And Elizabeth was confirming in Mary what she had no idea about. God revealed it to her through the Holy Spirit. And Elizabeth really is the only person that can really start to identify with what Mary is going through. She's the first person who really believes her, that she really still is a virgin, even though she's pregnant. But most of all, most of all, she is the one who's affirming and confirming Mary's faith as she moves forward into the unknown. Because most likely she's going to be misunderstood, and she is misunderstood. What she says to her, Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. What about you? And What about me? Are we encouraging people to take God at His Word? If God has spoken to you through His Word or has revealed something to you, if it really is Him calling you, then to move forward into that rather than to sit around and kind of hedge your bet and see what happens, see how it might work out. You see, I think sometimes we have this idea that if God is calling us into something, that he's just going to roll out the red carpet and make everything just fall into place with ease. Smooth sailing. That's not always the case. And it's not the case here for Mary and for Joseph, as we know the story, right? (laughs) He's got to be born in Bethlehem. Mary will go in her ninth month, a 90-mile journey up to Bethlehem. And when they get there, there's no Holiday Inn that has reservations for them. There's no Mayo Clinic that makes a bed available for them. God provides a manger. It's God's provision but he has a purpose in that provision (laughs) number one to tell us as he's come to earth that he's not going to exempt himself from the harshness of this broken world but number two to come to the least of these the lowly and say I have come for you We're not there yet. We're getting too far ahead in the story. But Mary is encouraged by Elizabeth. And her response is worship. Pick it up at verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He has been mindful of the humble state of His servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed. Blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted high the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent away, sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. To Abraham, his descendants, and his descendants forever, just as he promised our forefathers. Mary stayed with Elizabeth Elizabeth for about three months, and then returned home. In a world where might makes right, where the golden rule is, those who have the gold make the rules, or the strong shall inherit the earth. Mary's praise, her magnificat, if you will, magnifying who God is, prophetically flips this world and its values on its ear. And it starts with herself. Verse 46, my soul glorifies the Lord And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Little did she know how true that would be. That the baby that she carried in her womb would indeed be her Savior. To save her not from Rome, but from her own sin. And then verse 48. For he has... Mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. This little Jewish girl who lives in a backwoods town called Nazareth, insignificant in the eyes of the world powers of Rome or the local power of Herod, God will use her to bring the Savior. And history will never be the same. Yes, and all generations will call her blessed because we're still talking about her today and her faith and her courage. She really is a hero of faith. In verse 49, For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. And at the end of the day, the question will be, do you fear God? Do you really take Him seriously as the holy creator of the universe? And have you taken seriously His Savior, which He has provided? Will you put your faith in Him? That is a promise from one generation to another. In verse 51, He has performed mighty deeds with His arm and has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has lifted high the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. God opposes the proud. Those who put their faith in their own strength, their own ability, their own power, their own position, Their riches, their resources, even their own goodness. It's saying, no thank you God, I don't need you. I don't need what you have provided, even in a Savior. But he gives grace, he gives grace to the humble, to those who trust him those who take Him at His word, those who confess their need for Him. And it might even appear foolish to a watching world, but they're trusting Him to provide, not only for daily life, but a Savior able to meet a God's holy standard. And atone and forgive sin, and to deal with death, and to give us life. You see, the saying that those who have the most toys or the most money wins, that is a lie. The one who trusts in God as his Savior, he is the one who has what really matters. What really counts? What really brings victory in life and eternity? Are we saying <laughs> proudly, no thank you God, I got this. Or are we humble saying God I need you to do in me what I cannot do myself. And he, verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel Remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our forefathers. You see, God keeps his word. What he said years ago to Israel, that they would be his people and he would be their God. To David, that he would have a descendant sit on his throne forever. And to Abraham, that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And that his seed would be a blessing to all nations. God keeps his word. And God is doing it now and sending his son. To overthrow, really, the values of this broken world. And to start to bring his kingdom And God chooses this young woman and gives her eyes to see it. The faith to say yes to it. And the grace to be part of it. And I ask the question about myself, about us, about you, about me will we say yes to his call first of all to his call to put your faith in his son cuz he's the only provision he's the only provision god has given for you to be rightly reconciled to him for you to have eternal life for you to become a child of god And second of all, if you already know Him, are you saying yes to what He might be calling you to do? Even though you don't have all the questions, the what about all the what-if questions answered? You just know that God is calling you. Are you willing to say, God, don't let me limit you by what I think I can do? Are you willing to say, nothing is impossible with God? if you've called me, I'll move forward into that. You see, if we do so, (laughs) we'll know that nothing is impossible with God because he's the one who's doing it. And he indeed will give us grace to be a part of it. (laughs) Will you say yes like Mary? Let it be done unto me as the Lord has said. I don't know what that is for you, but I encourage you to say yes, because you'll have a front row seat to see what God wants to do in your life. Let me pray for us and invite the worship team to come and close us. Lord, first of all, I want to pray that there's anyone in here who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ yet, has not yet said yes I pray that they would have the grace to humble themselves